man, I, I, I love the Dylan Gabriel comments. Not just because they're, you know, negative to Josh Heupel, but I just I just like to hear what a what a player experience, whether it's good or bad. And um it forces us to 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 look at it from all different angles, not just one side, one narrative, just because Josh Heupel's our coach. I think it's easy to see him go, no, I don't believe it. No, he's just a bad quarterback. No, he's just stupid. No, I mean let's 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 explore it. Let's let's talk about it. Let's take his comments and put it in our back pocket and see if we have to apply it moving forward. Like Tennessee played one game. One game. So it's really hard to know, like, all right, is Dylan Gabriel spot on or is he off? Or was Dylan Gabriel right? But Josh Hype and company just adapted. And made changes and got better from their time in Central Florida. Like coaches evolve um, it, too, so I am looking forward to seeing like, all right, how is this Tennessee offense going to fare here? Uh, well, Hypo's offense going to fare here in Tennessee inside the SEC. But I just want to th- throw that out there, uh, us file it, and uh, let's see if we got to bring it up again. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean there are there are. Things said and in, in, in Dylan Gabriel's quotes that are very concerning, quite frankly, at least they are to me. I mean, how, how can you not read that Gabriel thought that in eight of the ten games he was told going in that the defense was going to be one way and he he trots out onto the field and the defense is in a different scheme, different alignment. In eight of the ten games, I mean, if, if that's true, then then that's a huge concern, yeah. a, a real huge concern. And I think it's a little weird that Dylan Gabriel is is singing as much as he is. And I also think it's yeah, weird, weird that he, he don't like him. He don't like hypo. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. He don't like him, and that's why I'm taking this with a grain of salt because he has put out multiple tweets and Instagram posts about Josh Heupel since Heupel left. Yeah, the problem, so, problem is, like, with my thinking, and I told you this during the break, is that, like, I get taking it with a grain of salt, and, you know, th- this could be to spite Heupel, but just because he's in his feelings and, and salty and trying to throw shade on purpose doesn't mean that he's that he's wrong. No. Uh, he, he could be doing all this extra stuff and still be 100% fact, and that's what concerns me. Yeah. Well, I'm taking it with a grain of salt because Tennessee's only played one game. Yeah. And so I'm putting it in my back pocket, and I'm fouling it away just in case we have to bring it up right now, knowing that he was a little upset about how, how Hypo left and he's having these comments because I've heard anything else from any other uh, player on Central Florida, no offensive player. It's coming from him, and he has been uh, vocal multiple times in his displeasure of how Hypo left. So – off of just one game, I'm not jumping to conclusions right now. I don't have a take right now. But if we play this game against Pittsburgh and all the things that Dylan Gabriel said, we can point to in the game. Now I'm like, okay, all right, all right. Dylan was on something. And then we go to the Florida game and the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then we go SEC play and there's a, you know, there's a theme. Now I'm like, all right, all right. Then pull out these comments again. Everything that Dylan Gabriel said was right. Or if we don't see those things, we'll say either Dylan Gabriel was wrong or Josh Heupel 
adjusted. Yeah, he 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 changed it up from his days in Central Florida, now at Tennessee because he's in the SEC. So there's many outcomes here depending on how Tennessee plays this Saturday and how Tennessee plays moving forward. Here's another thing to mm-hmm. to make note of for sure with that article as a whole. Okay, put Dylan Gabriel and, and Josh Heupel to the side. Okay, Gus is trying to repair his image at UCF. Oh, Gus ain't slick. He hiding the weeds. And and look what author wrote it. Yeah. And look, Brandon Marcello does tremendous work. But he covered I, Auburn. I, I, I follow him on Twitter. I I think he is excellent. But he covered Auburn and, Auburn. and was very close mm-hmm. to Gus. Like Gus, I guarantee you, handpicked Marcello to write this article. So Gus trying to repair his image and the, the, the beat guy that covered him at Auburn writes the story. Like, that's no coincidence. Yeah. And that's why we cover in all the bases and all the angles of this article. We're not going to allow one side to be told, one narrative to be um, viewed. We're looking at all sides. We're going to play devil's advocate. We're going to look at the other side. Because this is what happens when articles like this are written. This is obviously what you just mentioned. This is an article to uplift Gus Malzahn. And sometimes when you have to uplift someone, you have to crap on someone else. And the person trying to be that's, that's being crapped on here so happens to be our head football coach and Josh Heupel in their attempt to uplift Gus Malzahn. This is journalism one-on-one. This is how it happens. But the story doesn't have to be true if Josh Heupel comes out with this offense this Saturday and is multiple, is unpredictable, and quite frankly, is successful. I don't care if you are predictable. If you're successful, it don't matter what this article says. Correct. Who cares how simple your <laughs> offense yeah. is if it works? My my concern is, like I said earlier, is in two, three, four years, or maybe even this season, if defenses start to, to figure you out, will you evolve? Yep. Gus did not. Look where he is now. Hopefully, Hypo does evolve. Because Correct. that day will come. It will. And this is why you got to get better players. Um, let's go to the phones. Phone lines are humming over there. Let's get the Volstorm. Volstorm, good morning. I would like to order some Bernie Mac <laughs> with some dead hot wings and some fries, please. <laughs> and a side of banana pudding. I answered the phone. and a side of banana pudding. <laughs> That's right. I answered the phone and Volstorm said, you think Dead End will deliver this early this morning? <laughs> I'm with you. When do you get Dead End to deliver to the studio? <sighs> they do that, I'll be on my way over. <laughs> I got directions, man. Go down to I-40, turn straight. <laughs> we're booked. <Right. laughs> we're, we're, we're to capacity. Social distance and, you know, th- those rules and everything. We're booked. Fire Marshal said we can only have so many people in here. That's right. Only, only two people between the hours of 7 and 10. Hey, Swain, did uh, anybody ever complain about how simple the offense was for the 2001 Miami Hurricanes? Nope. One comment that was constantly made through that season was, you know what they're going to run, you just can't stop it. Yeah. Yep. Like, remember remember Alabama Tua? You knew they was running RPO. Yes. <laughs> you just couldn't stop it. It's a- 
It does, you're, you don't have to have a complex game in order to be effective. So, as far as the comments from the, the quarterback down at UCF, I mean, haven't we all learned a lesson about, yeah, there's some truth in it, but it also depends on the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much, how many comments did we hear from Cincinnati fans prior to Butch Jones getting here? Oh, a, a lot. And, and they said that, you know, he's full of slogans, you're going to get tired of it, blah, blah, blah. And what happened? We did. We did. We did. Now, now I can't say that everything that was said about Pruitt was 100% true, but evidently his, uh, some of the things that happened to him in Georgia kind of did. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the point is, this offense, Josh Heupel, will either make Dylan Gabriel right or wrong. And, and, and that's, you know, yet to be decided. We've only played one game. So what happens when you play against Pittsburgh, a better opponent? And then what happens when you play SEC play? So we'll see if Dylan is right. We'll see if he's wrong. Right, because as much as he's, you know, made his comments about a high pull, and we don't, we don't know what the situation was. We don't know the circumstance. One thing I do know is that Gus Malzahn couldn't develop a quarterback for nothing. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how, um, you know, he may have the talent there for his system in year one, but let's see what happens in year two and year three. That's right. That's right. So good stuff. Boys, before I go, um, you think uh, you think Pitt's coach ought to uh, make a phone call to – LSU baseball's former coach about making comments in the press about Tennessee fans. See you, boys! He gonna learn today. He gonna learn today. Even though it wasn't that bad. It wasn't bad as, you know, pulmonaries. But still, if you are Tennessee, you take it and you twist it to your advantage and use his motivation. That's the way you're supposed to do it. That's the Nick Saban way. All right, let's go back to the phones and let's get to uh, T.C., What's up, what's up? What's up? TC in Athens, my man. It's good to see you, man. man. It's so good to see you guys this weekend. See Volstorm, Vol Nation, and all the other fans that came out to dead end. And good, man, I, I've forgotten how good them daggum burn-ins were at dead end. Oh, yeah. Woo! Oh, yeah. Good stuff, man. It was Looking forward to being back this weekend. Hey, man, uh, the article that came out, I mean, I, I, to me, it seemed like a pretty fair assessment from that guy. You yeah, know, I mean, I, I, I didn't see anything that was really out of line as far as uh, what you guys have, have said so far on air that, that was said in the article. Yeah, I mean, listen, he was a quarterback for him. He has every right to say that, and it, it could be true, and Josh yeah. Heupel could be different here in Tennessee. I mean, coaches, yeah, absolutely. Can, you know, he can adapt. About being at the, at the right place at the right time, the right fit, all that good stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and so time will tell on that. One thing, you know, you you were talking about a couple of things that concern you, and and it, it's always concerned me with these fast paced offenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard Jerry Colquitt one t- uh, say one time. He said, "I just don't get these coaches. They're in a hurry to run another bad play." And uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, and I thought that was pretty. I thought that was an interesting comment. Uh, 
and that does scare me, man, because defenses can absolutely be on the field for an entire quarter like ours was yep. and, and get worn down. Uh, another thing I noticed that was a little bit concerning to me, and I hope they switched up this week, is uh, that little clap uh, to snap. Mm-hmm. It never changed the entire game. It was one clap snap. And if they don't change that up, Brother, defensive ends in this league are going to tee off on our quarterback. Great point, TC. Great point. So I think that needs to change up. The last thing I want to just hit on is this stupid targeting rule that I'm so sick of. (sighs) They have got to do something about that, man. I thought it was a mistake years ago when they changed the face mask rule to where everything is a 15-yard penalty now. That's stupid. You know, you have certain things that are intentional, certain things that are not. If, if your hand brushes a face mask, it shouldn't be a 15-yard penalty. And I look at the same thing with this uh, targeting rule. There are intentional targeting, uh, you know, targets, and there are accidental targets. And it's – I don't understand why when – you know, defense players are taught to go low to take out the legs. And so they start going down low, and all of a sudden the running back lowers his head and it's targeting on a defensive player, that's ridiculous. Yep. I, I can't stand it, man. It's one thing I hate about about college college football, uh, Turkey, uh, Turkey Man, with TC. And uh, I hate to cut you off. Uh, we got Austin Price on right now with us. Uh, thanks so much for the phone call, TC, man. So good to see you, man. See your daughter. She is not a little girl anymore. So uh, can't wait to, to have you back here in Knoxville. And let's go. The dead end and break bread again, TC. Thanks so much for the phone call, man. Uh, let's go to the phones again and talk to our guy, Austin Price of VolQuest.com, who joins us each and every Tuesday. His time is brought to you by Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty, who was also there at Dead End Barbecue with us, having a good time. Uh, AP, good morning, man. Was that former Vol Todd Campbell? Oh, no, that was TC in <laughs> Athens, man. TC in Athens. Legendary I TC. I think it's some former ball had TC as his initials. I do remember Todd Campbell though. Yeah, man. So we, we, we were talking about this offense. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's comments to you know Brandon Marcello over there two four seven. Um, and you know we we understand that the old the old place is going to have some not so flattering things to say about the coach leaving, and then the new place will be happy about the new coach coming in. It's kind of par for the course. Uh, and Tennessee has the opportunity to either make Dylan Gabriel's comments right or wrong about how they play an offense. Uh, offensively, AP, what do you think uh, the biggest area of improvement needs to come from, from game one to game two? Well, I just think, you know, being more consistent, uh, um, you know, cleaning up the little mistakes, Jason, um, you know, Joe Milton wasn't perfect. Neither were the receivers. Um, I thought the offensive line was really pretty good. I mean, they had a couple of silly holding penalties that I think you can clean up. Um, obviously, we know the running backs were were on point uh, last Thursday night. But just little things. Um, you know, again, I <laughs> everybody's so quick to make a snap judgment. I mean, you know, there are threads on the journal's quarters, you know, hypos butts on the line. <laughs> I mean, TC's talking about claps. I mean, you know, they Heifel knows that there, there are, you know, you can variate that. I mean, they're playing bowling green. Yeah. You know, and I just, again, the, the, the quick judgments of a coach off one game, a quarterback off one game, 
That might be who they are. Okay, that might. But, but you don't know that based off the Bowling Green game. Like let's let's, let's play the first month of the season. Yeah. Then decide. You know. Um. I, I just it just it just always cracks me up. You know. Everybody wants the eighty-five Bears defense, but I'm telling you, you look on Twitter, you look on message boards. Halfway through the second quarter, everybody is ripping the defense. They gave up six. They never gave up a touchdown. I mean, like, and I get. I and now the reaction well, it was Bowling Green. Okay, they did what they were supposed to do. Like everybody wants the eighty-five Bears defense and the two thousand Rams offense. Like, <laughs> right now, the most unstable program they've ever been in their whole their whole program history. With all the investigation and the turnover and the transfers and the new transfers in, it just—I mean, I, I just—I I guess I just don't understand what people thought was going to happen. I guess everybody just thought they were going to run. I mean, I, mean, I picked it fifty-two seventeen, which is a thirty-five point win. They won by thirty-two, so it was a different version of the same thing. You know, they didn't score as much, but they didn't give up as much. You know, um, I don't know. I just. Uh, I guess just I don't understand why there's this rush to judgment on everybody. You know, I, it, just, it always just it baffles me. Um, you know, and again, they didn't play their best game last week. But look around college football. There was a lot of teams that didn't play their best game last week. And lost. And lost yeah. or barely won. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying Tennessee's beating Pittsburgh this weekend either. I'm just saying let's take it one game at a time. Like, you know, nobody's anointing anybody anything. You know, let's just see what they got and, and see what happens this week. See if Heupel makes the adjustments, can get improvement out of Joe Milton this week. Um, you know, see, you know, if the defense can continue to play well. I mean, who knows? The offense may play lights out this week. And the defense may not be very good. You know, if it's like my golf game, whatever part I'm trying to work on to get better, when it gets better, some other Part of my game falls apart. <laughs> so I mean, like, I mean, it's, I, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm on my soapbox this morning mostly because just the comments I see. I'm just like, I just don't, I just don't understand. Like, just let's let it happen a little bit before we we lose our minds and you know rip on Joe Milton and rip on Josh Heifel and I'm just. I guess I just don't get it. But that that I mean, again, I should get it. I've been around here through 50 different coaching staffs. I just thought with the way the offseason went and kind of the wait-and-see approach everybody had with this team, I, I guess I gave everybody too much credit for wanting to wait and see what would happen instead of just diving head in at the first incompletion, the first you know sign of you know average to below average play. Well, it's about balance, Austin. It's about balance. It's it's never black or white, somewhere in the middle, but it's about balance. Like, there's no question that adjustments need to be made. That's what yeah, every team. No doubt they can be better. Yeah, every team in the country, first game of the season, like every season I played Tennessee, you come back after the first game and you're correcting everything. It's the best time to do it, right? It's where you make your biggest improvement. There's no doubting that. But, again, it's about balance. There's a difference between understanding that corrections have to be put made from oh my gosh this team is this you know, this is wrong that is wrong that is wrong everything's wrong and then but you have to sit back and realize like oh yeah we won by 32 and the game was never in doubt so it's about balance like yes no one's saying that you don't you know have any critiques to make but at the same time 
the critiques don't have to be overboard to where you f- actually forget that Tennessee won by 32 points. It's about balance. Uh, on to, and Ben takes me the article to read, and <laughs> when, I, when when he asked me about it, I was going to be able to talk. I mean, like, I read the Dylan Gabriel stuff. I, I guess I just don't get it like you guys do. I mean, it, it is natural. I mean, listen. If, if if I had a dollar for every time a coach came in here, felt like the cupboard was bare, and the last coach that was here before is sitting there going, "Well, I have so much talent there," <laughs> you, know, like, you know what I mean? Like it's the, it's the same thing. I mean, like you know, everybody's quick to to rip on the old coach, you know, um, and and praise the new one, even even current players. Yeah, yeah. You know, something I like that that it's that natural. happens. I mean, listen, you're gonna you're gonna be partial to the guy you're sitting in the room with. That's right. Not the guy that left you. That's right. You know, and I mean, like, I, that, I don't know. I just, again, that's another thing. I mean, it's 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 as tell as old as time. Like I said, every every coach that walks in the door was left with nothing, and every coach that was, you know, that that was fired or let go or moved on left the cupboard and left them a limitless supply of talent. I mean, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, it is what it is. It's just like, you know, somebody asked Caleb Tremblay the difference between USC and Tennessee yesterday. Well, I mean, he's at Tennessee now. What's he going to say? He's going to say, he, he tried to preface it and say, well, not not to, you know, you know, not, he basically was not to throw shade at USC. USC or, sucks. You know, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> of course he's going to praise the place he's at now. Exactly. You know? And I think he means part of it, but I mean, like, you know, he enjoyed his time at USC, too. It wasn't, it's not like it was, you know, a terrible place to be. So, I mean, you know, I, what, I, don't, I guess I just, what I expect from Dylan Gabriel. If you ask, uh, if you ask, you know, any quarterback across America, if you ask Mackenzie Milton about UCF, he'd probably, you know, Tell us how you feel, Austin. Austin, we got you. I think he dropped off. AP, you still there? Yeah, you there. Uh, uh, now, now, now we hear you. You dropped off there for a, a second. Uh, well, we were so curious about this Dylan Gabriel stuff just because you, you kind of had some things come out early in the Butch Jones tenure and – early in the Jeremy Pruitt tenure and, and you look back on it and, and you say, hmm, maybe they were on to something. So I guess that's kind of why we were very interested in it, especially when he's talking about just the, the game plans. You, you go into a game expecting to see one defense and then in eight out of the ten games last year, it was a different type of defensive scheme that, that showed up. And just uh, essentially he did not like how complex – uh, Hypo's offense uh, appears to be that it was you're running this play no matter what, and, and he preferred the you know get up to the line of scrimmage under Gus, and you're not pigeonholed into running that particular play against that particular formation. So, I mean, big picture with, with Hypo's offense, I mean, do you think it's an, an offense that will adapt uh, if need be, or, or do you think it's it's one that may try to cram a square peg into a round hole? Um, I mean, I do think that, that you'll see adaptations to what Coach Heupel and the offensive staff wants to do. you got to remember, you, you have um, 
some different offensive philosophies on the staff, whether it be Alex Golish and where all he's been, or Jerry Mack, who's called his own plays. Now, it's at smaller levels of football, but hey, football's football. I mean, Justin mm-hmm. Alzon was a high school coach mm-hmm. before he was a SEC offense coordinator and all, SEC head coach. So, um, you know, I, I think you'll see different variations. But, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's going to be Josh Heupel's offense. Um, there's something to be said about being simple. I mean, I can tell you right now, there were members of the staff last year offensively that talked about the playbook being too big, too complicated, and that, you know, the, the kids couldn't handle the big playbook because you had so many variations off of just one play and and that, you know, kids would get confused. So, I, you know, I don't know how many times I heard that a year ago. And, um, and you know, well, when we get to the off season, you know, we're going to have to dummy this down. You know, the kids can't handle it. Well, they never got to the off season because they were all out of here. But, you know, the point is, is, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, you want to keep it simple, you know, and I'm not saying that's every play, but, um, you know, I think sometimes coaches outthink themselves thinking they have to have this massive playbook mm-hmm. and they don't, you don't, you know, I mean, you think the Ole Miss playbook is complicated? No, nope. I don't. <laughs> nope. That's how, that, you know, when Jeremy Pruitt hired Jeff Levy, one of Jeremy Pruitt's biggest concerns was, is there just wasn't that much variation to it. It was pretty simple. Guess what, guys? Everybody's just loving Ole Miss's offense today. Yep. I looked on Twitter and everything else, and it's a simple offense. It's yep. not a complicated offense. They use mismatches. They use consternation amongst the defense. Yep. So, um, yeah, you know, hey, every quarterback is going to like it, you know, the way that they feel like helps them or every player for that matter. And it's not just a quarterback thing. You know, just like, you know, you, the defensive line, and right now they're loving Rodney Garner. Is he hard on them? Absolutely. But are they learning a ton and, you know, feel like that Rodney Garner's got their back? 100%. You know, so, um, you know, I, I just think it boils down to like, yeah, it, Coach Heibel's offense can be simple, but simple's not always a bad thing. Yeah, for sure. Maybe Heupel just needs to adopt the the thought process of the Presbyterian coach and just never punt on fourth down and kick a bunch of onside kicks and go go with that route. Then then he'll basically, have throw ten touchdowns. Basically, play the game like the rest of us played NCAA football for years growing up. Yes. Play safe. Yeah, you just go is. for two, you, you go for it on fourth down, you know, you don't punt. I mean, like, the onside kick. I mean, that's, that's how that's, that's how we all grew up playing PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, that works. That works for me. Austin Price, VolQuest.com here. Uh, I want to ask you a two-part question here. Uh, one, about the status of Cooper Mays, and the second, the status of uh, Byron Young. Well, Byron's got no new update. Uh, Coach Heibel said yesterday they're preparing as if they were going to have him, um, but they've not heard an official word from the NCAA. Uh, Cooper Mays is healthier now than he was a couple of days ago. The chances of him playing have went up. I still call him questionable at this point, um, but uh, again, he he is he has um, seen some improvements. In, in that ankle over the last couple of days, which at least gives some some hope going into Saturday's game. Austin, on Sunday night when you had Pat Narduzzi on the nation, uh, 
Why did you not warn him not to say anything about Neyland Stadium and the potential impact it could have on the game Saturday? Love it. Um, hey, man, you, you got to make your own bed. You know, I mean, I, you know, Coach Narduzzi, while he's kind of a no-nonsense guy, <laughs> he uh, he still comes across as, as you know, um, someone who doesn't give a whole lot of weight. So I'm shocked he made those comments, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, hey, it's the opportunity to be used, uh, you know, to Tennessee's advantage, I'm sure the fans will, you know. I mean, he didn't, he didn't poop on Tennessee. No. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he just said, hey, in, in any game we've been in before with loud noise, our guys have handled it. I'm sure we will handle it fine this time, too. So, you know, we'll see. Again, a lot of that depends on how you get out of the gate and how Tennessee gets out of the game. Mm-hmm. When you go back to that, oh, you know, the old six Cal game, Jason, the game you were fun, you were a part of, had that what sixty-five yard touchdown. Um, Specking them cheeks. Meacham had a great game. Oh, he had a he, he had a great game. Um. So I mean, you know, you go back to that game though, and I mean, what happened? It all kind of got steamrolling. You go back to 38 unanswered against Florida in 2016, it all kind of got steamrolling, you know. And so once that crowd and the emotion and all that kind of takes over, it really uh, it, it really can, you know, play into Tennessee's hands. So, um, you know, I think the crowd can be a huge part of the game Saturday at noon, especially if they get there and, you know, aren't still stumbling out of bed. So <laughs> those noon games are hard to get to. And um, and then the one next week will be even harder to get to when you're playing Tennessee Tech. But, you know, this week specifically against Pitt, I think, you know, the fans understand how big this game is and what it means to the rest of the season. For sure. AustinPriceVolQuest.com here uh, on the Swain event. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Uh, got Tennessee Prime tonight. Gus's world-famous fried chicken. Last week we had Kate Bays and Joe Milton. Uh, this week, Austin, who will the people see and hear from? It'll be uh, Cade Mays and Tyler Barron. Cade Mays and Tyler Barron. So, Joe, uh, Joe preferred to uh, focus on Pitt. Hopefully we'll have him back out next week for Tennessee Tech. And uh, I told him we understood. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, admittedly, he said there at Clancy's, getting ready to do Outkick 360 on Friday. Um, and just, you know, I mean, he talked about where he needed to be better and what mistakes he made in the football game. You know, I mean, he's not blind to it. And so, you know, he preferred to uh, take extra time tonight and focus on that. And, you know, hopefully he'll be back out to Tennessee Tech next week. Austin, just what is your feeling for Saturday's game? Uh, and kind of how you think it goes. I know there's still a lot of question marks with this football team. Well, I, you know, the the most experienced at the quarterback position lies with Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I mean, as, as Coach Heupel referenced yesterday, he feels like he's been around since the Reagan administration. I mean, he's been around a while, and uh, Kenny Pickett. And, um, you know, it's, you know, Lost some key players on the defense from a year ago, but, you know, still have some really solid players. I think it's going to be a really good football game. 
Um, like I said, I think the crowd can play a huge role, even with Pickett's um, experience. I think a chance, uh, you know, to make it loud in there and you know, get some momentum early. And, you know, again, a lot of it, you know, much like a year ago or the last few years, you know, when it's determined by quarterback play, I think Saturday will be determined by quarterback play. How does Joe Milton play? And if he plays well, you know, what does he look like? And if he don't play well, then how quick does Josh Heupel, you know, potentially give someone else a look? Austin, uh, last week did not have any uh, visitors on campus for Tennessee's Thursday night game. Uh, any word of the recruits that will be in attendance this weekend for uh, the noon kickoff against Pittsburgh? Well, I think they're set to only have one official visitor at this point, that being Ephesians Price Dock, the uh, corner who plays for your boy, Casey Clawson, um, out there in California. Supposed to have C.J. Madden and Joshua Josephs here, but I think uh, those either have been pushed back or canceled. And, um, you know, I think Tennessee's set to have some unofficial visitors in town, a couple of commits. Brody Foley, I think, may be here. Taven Jackson's announced he will be here. Some 2023s like Ethan Crisp out of Mount Juliet, Bryson Sanders out of uh, Chattanooga Baylor, uh, also set to be here. So, um, you know, you get back to a Saturday, it becomes more uh, normal to have recruits in. Just Thursday's just too hard with, you know, games on Friday. I mean, kids. Kids can't. I mean, like if you're close, it's one thing. But if you're not close, which are most of them aren't close, um, it's hard to be like, "Say, coach, I'm gonna go away the day before the game and go watch a college football game, but I'll be back tomorrow." That just doesn't fly too well with the uh, the old high school coach. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like Casey Clawson's uh, high school logo. Looks like the Braves logo, though. Is that why you don't like it? It's close to the Alabama logo. It's close to Alabama script, but what, what colors are they? <sighs> Crimson and yellow. That's an interesting color combination, <laughs> Austin. But he it, slashed Alabama, so it don't matter. That, that's right, the Iceman. Uh, Austin, am, am I the only one that feels like it just doesn't seem like there's a lot going on in recruiting as it pertains to Tennessee right now? Uh, I mean, the defensive side of the ball. I mean, seems like they could use several more bodies, do you think it's maybe a lack of recruiting on Tennessee's part or maybe waiting to, to hit the transfer portal at the end of the season? Yep, you're the only one that feels that way, Ben. The only one. We knew Ben uh, was being weird. weird. I'm just playing. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, you have to understand, like, half of their class is done because they're done pretty much on offense outside of maybe one receiver spot. Mm-hmm. So then it's just all the defensive names. And – the defensive side of the ball has been a little more calculated in how they approach things. And I think a lot of it will be determined on how these defensive transfers do. I mean, if you know, if you look up and Caleb Tremblay, DJ Terry, Jawan Mitchell, um, you know, um, even a guy like Apache Muhan had four tackles last week, three of which were on specialty. You know, if, if you look up and they've had a nice season, doesn't it behoove you to maybe look in the portal a little bit more instead of taking, you know, the high school kids, I mean, if you're trying to, you know, flip it quicker, you know, going with someone who's been in a college weight program, has been through a college practice, you know, I think that, that you know, you could potentially see that. And I think that's why the defensive staff has, you know, been more more methodical um, 
to put it um, in, in, you know, easy terms with how they, you know, kind of approach recruiting. I mean, you brought up James Pierce last night on in, in the Volquest chat. He's someone that the staff really likes. They still got to get him here, though. You know, and he's out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Coach Eckler went and saw him last Friday. Um, but, you know, they still got to get him for, here for a visit. And so we'll be interested to kind of see how, uh, you know, how the rest of the fall works with the defensive guys. I mean, they, they need corners, they need defensive linemen, they need Leos. So everything. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty, much pretty much. Man, Austin, we have uh we've held you almost thirty minutes, man. We thank you so much for for your time. Uh, I think we covered everything uh that we could possibly cover in a thirty time uh thirty minute time frame, recruiting and some of the team things going on, injury update, uh eligibility update with you know, Byron Young and injury update with Cooper. So uh, I don't think I don't think we've left anything out, guys. Sounds good, Jason. All Anything right. for you, buddy. Well, I appreciate that, man. Tonight, uh, Tennessee Prime, it either be Austin Price or, or Brent Hubs and myself with with the Tennessee players, man. Austin, did you you taking the night off, or we got or we got Hubs? It will be Hubs. The All goat, right. Hubs, and Jason Swain. The goat, the goat. I'll be with the goat. Hubs, you are too, Austin. But Hubs is the goat. So Hubs is the goat of goats. That's right. That's right. Uh, AP, man, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate you. Austin's time is brought to you by Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. Her telephone number is 865-257-7897. Or if you want to give her email, uh, shout, a shout over email, you can do that. Uh, her email address is jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Keller Williams Realty, 865-257-7897. Again, if you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, Ben can tell you all about that process. Uh, he's moving into his new house, and Jennifer Morris helped him uh, with that process. So uh, we don't just talk about it. We bees about it. That's right. Here it's, on the Swain event. Speaking of goats, Jennifer Morris, the goat of Knoxville realtors. For sure, man. She's awesome. I love me some Jennifer Morris. Ain't no doubt about it. was was more than willing to help in any way possible, not only in terms of trying to find homes to look at, but even, even when you sign on the dotted line, you, that, that's not the last you hear of Jennifer. She she offers her husband's white, creepy van to, to help move stuff over. <laughs> and, and those are her words, not me making fun of her. Those I've, are her words. I've seen the van. <laughs> is, it white, is it creepy looking? Yeah. <laughs> that's what she calls it. But he but he hikes. He, yes. He, yeah, he hikes and... He basically he has like a bed in there to where like he you know he was yeah camp yeah he camps out a lot so yeah she'll uh, offer the van up to help move the white creepy van as she calls yeah man <laughs> she'll she'll send pizza over your first weekend in the new house she the the goat of Knoxville realtors for sure that's hilarious man that's hilarious all right let's get to uh, the phones who we got UCLA Rusty really Rusty <laughs> we doing this already I did not. I did not say that Ben came up with that. <laughs> hey, man, UCLA with the sissy blue shirts. Hey, Handle business yeah. against LSU, mate. Ogeron look like an idiot. G- Gina actually last night walked in the room and handed me that she had ordered me a sissy blue UCLA T-shirt. <laughs> man, I love hilarious. it. Hilarious. I may I, need to get one. I thought that was funny because, like, LSU is purple. 
And so, like, I know. we got a lot of purple. We're wearing a purple tie. Yeah, like, so, like, you know, I got three girls and my youngest <laughs> two. We got a lot of purple in our closet over here. So yeah. I just think, you know, calling a color sissy is, is weird anyway. So well, I mean, purple is one color they wear, and the other is, like, yellow, the, the color of, of surrender. <laughs> purple. Purple is the color of royalty, but still, like calling yeah. another color sissy when you wear purple is just, yeah. just something else. Even though purple is not a sissy color, so. right, the crazy yeah, part is we actually sharp. could understand him. Golly, that, that's the hardest part. Well, I mean, I, to believe is that I, we actually all could could decipher what Ed Orgeron said one time. Yeah, this might so, be his last season though, LSU. Uh, yeah, it's, he, he's 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 on the he's on the way. Uh, the, oh, hold on, we need to bring something up in that football game. Sure. That we have not spoken about within the the first two days of the week. Okay. LSU's quarterback tried to outdo Eric H with the behind the back oh pass. Oh my god! T- <laughs> he 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 backhanded it. He didn't like underhand throw it like he's pitching a softball game like like EA did. He backhanded it like no look, like like he was like he was magic. Back in the '84 finals, uh, he was in LA. He thought he could be like Magic. I mean, I'd never seen a quarterback do something like that. I mean, yeah, I'm. I don't care who the <laughs> like. <laughs> only Patrick Mahomes can try that. And if yeah. you're in college, you're you're benched for the next series, possibly uh, longer. Yeah, Brad Johnson in the stands lost his mind. I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure that that was my first thought. Brad Johnson yeah. gonna treat his son like. Mr. <laughs> Tongue of Iloa treats Tua. Oh, God. He's going to get a whooping when he gets home. Sit in that corner. Shut up. Turn around. Don't say nothing. What you think? Hey, try, so, try that pass. So, so on the, the offense being sim- simplistic, can we can we all agree that Bill Walsh knew a little bit of something about offense? A little, a little bit. bit. Just an inventor of the West Coast offense. Right. I mean, the man <laughs> kind of had kind of had it together when it came to offense. Back in the day, he, 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 he talked about the fact that they ran four plays. They ran four offensive plays during the Montana years, the eighty years while the eighty the eighties when when Walsh was really had the Niners rolling. They pretty much ran four offensive plays. They 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 changed formations a little bit, but the concepts were the same. Four pass plays, two run plays, all they did. Yep. That that doesn't seem real complicated to me, but they did it so good that it didn't matter. Exactly. That's really what it comes down to. Exactly. Execution. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so Ben came up with the UCLA rugby. He said that I, I didn't say it, but I despise USC so much and always have that it makes it really easy to to my West Coast team being the Bruins going forward. I, I know we I we, 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 we do love, we do love Stanford. So that's more because that's uh, that's rusty. where our daughter's going to go to college. She says, Rust, Rusty Rusty Chesney. No, <laughs> no, you're worse I, than Dave Tona. <laughs> I despise everybody. In relationship to Tennessee, everybody. I, I would never put a Gators helmet on. I would never put a Georgia T-shirt on. Nope, 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 nope. And when and when when our when our boys in orange come out to the West Coast and play play at UCLA again, like we did twice with Peyton and twice with Andy Kelly and Crompton once, I'll be in orange and I'll have all you guys out. I don't think Tennessee should schedule UCLA anytime soon. Oh, man. But it was so fun when we used to go to the Rose Bowl or when they would come to Knoxville. 
Let, let's schedule like San Jose State or San Diego State. <laughs> no, yeah, no reason to schedule UCLA. Fresno. Yeah, well, we'll no reason. Ain't no reason to be going way out there. We can play a sorry team right on the East Coast. Although Fresno how did about, give Oregon a game. How about when our fellas end up in the Rose Bowl in the first, in the in, in in one semifinal of the playoffs in a couple years? Now, 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 that's now we talking. That's okay. Because that's about to happen. Get on that train, y'all. Are you talking about Stanford, UCLA, or Tennessee? There's only one team that is my team. I can support some other teams, but there's only one team that's my team, and they wear orange. All right, Dave Tona. We messing with you, man. We messing with you. I know. I love, we love you, man. It was, hey, it was, it was good to see you, uh, Dead End Barbecue, Friday, man. Everybody. Yeah. It was so good to see you, everybody. For sure, man. Thank you so much for your phone call. Rusty, a true champ, drove uh, back home to the Tri-Cities late Thursday night, got home late, and then turned around the next morning and drove an hour and a half to – Come have lunch with us. Really? I didn't know he did that. Yeah. God, he's weird. He did that for us? Rusty is weird. There, there's no doubt about that. Why would you do that, Rusty? We're not that important. Gina's been rubbing off on him too much. Yeah, Gina's good, man. She's awesome. All right. Um, <laughs> text box time before we wrap up today's show. Um, Big Orange Jay says, does JT Daniel still win the Heisman if he can't throw touchdowns? If his team, uh, if his team's winning, no. he's gonna be he's gonna be in that hunt. It don't matter. Go ahead and hand the Heisman to Bryce Young, oh, yeah. and the national championship trophy to Alabama. Yeah, I told Sway this after the show yesterday. I just don't even see a team getting in Alabama's way. Nah, I don't either. I uh, hate it too. As long as Georgia don't win, I don't care. Elsie <laughs> uh, Vall says at least uh, AP didn't piss him off. Like he did Mark Stoops on The Nation last year talking about um, Pitt's, Pitt's coach. Uh, Volstorm says, Austin's going full. Get off my line this morning. I uh, love it. Fake Bob Kesslin says, what position group do you think, um, do you all think that we have the advantage in against Pitt? I, I like Tennessee's defensive line going up against their offensive line. I don't. I don't think it's a clear cut advantage, but I I would give Tennessee the edge. I think Rodney Garner is going to have those guys coached up. I think Matthew Butler is playing the best football of his career. Elijah Simmons, hard not to be excited about him. Jaquan Blakely getting in there, making some plays, and then you've got Tyler Barron, Roman Harrison, hopefully Byron Young off the edge. I I would especially give Tennessee the advantage in that area if Byron Young is somehow eligible. I'm going with the uh, DBs versus Pittsburgh wide receivers. I mean, I'm watching them on film. I didn't like. I, I didn't feel like threatened or was scared. Um, that doesn't mean that you know, Pittsburgh won't make plays on the outside. But I like the play of Theo Jackson. Uh, I like the play of our of, of Trayvon Flowers and our secondary that's experienced. So I'm going to go secondary versus versus their receivers. Now they have a good quarterback now, so he um, scares me more than he, anything. He does. He he is. He reminds me of. You said Zach Wilson yesterday. No, 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 no! Don't even try it, Ben. You think you slick, man? I compare the game to BYU, but not him as a player. He reminds me. Uh, what's the Peyton kid that was at Indiana who played the ball game? Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey. I think he's better than Peyton Ramsey. But he reminds me of him because 
He can, you know, he's savvy, experienced. He's the son of a coach. He can run a little bit. Uh, he can make some plays with his arm. He was the guy that made everything go for Indiana. Um, that's that's who Kenny Pickett reminds me of. Whether who's better or not, it's, it is, they just remind me of each other because of their influence on their offense. I think Theo Jackson is going to have to have a big game. I would imagine he is lined up on Lance Cruel, their tight end who transferred from Florida, who looked really good against UMass. Uh, he, he's going to be a focal point of the offense. He's a big boy. He is a, a big boy. And I, I would imagine that they they stick Theo on him. Maybe not. But uh, I, I would be curious to see how Theo would, would do in that matchup. Obviously, there's a, a size advantage, but there's uh, athleticism and quickness advantage with, with Theo. Well, I mean, do you, do you, you know, do you, do you, Staying with your end uh, with a dime, and I don't trust any of the or linebackers. Or do you do you go with the linebacker to get a little bit more girth in there? Uh, we'll see. All right, let me go back to the text box, Ben. Um, oh, evil! The text box says, "Great time and dead end. Great people you have supporting y'all. Felt a part of it despite being a newbie. Go ball! Yeah, got a chance to meet Evil and his wife and his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you're not evil, man." You're very not nice. evil at all. Very, very nice. So uh, he made the, the trip over from um, Dalton, Georgia. Next time, evil, bring boy carpet or something, man. Bring, bring some carpet. Dalton known for carpet? Are they? You, you must not be paying attention when you drive to Atlanta. Swain, you are getting way too old. Why? You're talking about carpet. Uh, you are a homeowner. And I have hardwood floors. You gonna, you're not going to put some carpet down, a rug or something? That's my wife's job. I, I, she just, I, I take her to the store. She picks it out. I put it in the car. I take it out the car. She puts it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vaughn Birmingham says, it's like Chip Kelly looked at his offense now versus when he was at Oregon or the NFL. He has evolved. He learned what did and didn't work. Great point by uh, Vaughn and Birmingham. Great point. Vol 804 says Coach Hype can always adapt, 100%, 100%. What you did before doesn't define who you are going to be moving forward. You can always change. You can always adapt. So good point there from Vol 804. Uh, NC Vol says, where can you find Gabriel's comments? They're on 247 Sports. Um, Awesome was a little spicy this morning. Nina Mafia in his feelings. Nina Mafia tried to call in this morning and um got caught up with work. So it'd be good to hear from Nina Mafia, man. Well, Mafia, you're he, supposed to call us back, my guy. You owe me a box of popcorn, Nina Mafia. <laughs> I was laughing. He uh he left a comment on the text box over the weekend and said, That popcorn was good as hell too. It was, man. It was. It was really good. Um T Money, I did see UCLA's uh, Sissy Blue shirts, their T-shirts, throwing shade at LSU. Um, yeah, Ed O is in trouble, man. He's in trouble. If he doesn't win nine games, it's a wrap. It is a wrap for him. Um, here's my question. Uh, are Texas, Oklahoma being asked to give up the Red River robbery? I bet they are not. Uh, I know we haven't won in forever, and I know we won't win for a while, but that game means more to me than any – other game of the season, I don't want it taken away. Talking about the Alabama game? 
Um, I'm assuming he's talking about the Alabama game. Didn't really, didn't really specify. Um, that I'm with him. I, I I agree. I such a, a nuanced conversation because I, I think you would agree that game on the schedule means more to us than than any other game. Not that Florida or Georgia isn't very important, but I don't know. Just having to go to high school in, in Huntsville and going to community college there and a lot of my friends being Alabama fans and, and constantly picking on me and messing with me and being a point of conversation, I, I would hate to see that game go away. I'm pulling the Bush Jones. F him. <laughs> in, in which regard? F them all. As <laughs> we did on the sideline to the yeah. Tennessee fans, F them all. Yes. Uh, Brandon Lucky says, Jason Brown from Last Chance U was big time mad. About the targeting last night, check out his Twitter. Yeah, I saw his Twitter. Um, you know, I I agree with the the call, but man, I think I think Coach Brown. I think it's the reason why he ain't he ain't coaching right now, man. He was he was he was lighting people up, man. Golly, he was lighting folks up on Twitter. Man, calling. I know, right? Alex says, 32-point FBS win. I'm good. Bring on Pitt. I know these receivers better get used to get ready for a physical matchup on the outside. Uh, better be ready to catch some contested balls. Um, big opportunity for Tennessee wide receivers and um, the offense. There's some plays out there to be made, but it's all about the preparation. All about the preparation. How do you prepare this week? What habits are you? Are you creating that you're going to execute and, 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 and show on Saturday during the game? It's all about the preparation all the time. For Ben McKee, I am Jason Swain. Tom Flaws, you having fun, man. It's already 10 a.m. We hope you have a great, great rest of your Tuesday. Uh, tonight, Tennessee Prime, Tyler Barron, Tyler Barron, Kay Mays. All about the trenches today at Gus's Fried Chicken. So hope to see you out. If you are not going to be there in attendance, a couple different ways you can view the show. Um, Swain Event YouTube page, VolQuest YouTube page. You can follow VolQuest on Twitter. Follow Swain Event on Twitter. It will be all right there. Facebook Live for Swain Event. Um, so make sure you get locked in. We will podcast everything. If you miss any part of today's show, that podcast will be up. Uh, momentarily after the show. So have a great day. Peace and love. We are out. Sway and event fueled by Dead End Barbecue.